Good morning. Welcome again to Alpine Church. As Fred said, we're just so glad that you're all here with us this morning as we worship and focus on Jesus together. My name is Joel Daly. I'm the lead pastor here at the West Haven campus. Uh, we're one church, multiple locations, this being the best of them. So you chose right this morning. Yeah, it's okay to have some pride. And, and uh, again, we're, we're just so excited. You know, I, don't, I hope you got to see the video that we started the service with. Uh, just 20 years of God's faithfulness through our church. It's incredible. Uh, we hope, again, as Brian said, by, by God's grace to be here in another 20 years and uh, helping people pursue God all along the Wasatch Front. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our series. Uh, it's a three-week series, Survival Guide for Parenting. Uh, for those of you who uh, are like, well, I'm going to get up and leave because this doesn't apply to me or this doesn't apply to me anymore, hear me out this morning, okay? I, I promise it's going to apply to all of us because really uh, our, our parenting is mirrored by God's relationship with us, okay? So all of us, whether you're young or old, we're all in one capacity a child. And so um, I just want to start this morning by telling you a story of, of two separate people and their family trees, okay? So one of the people is Jonathan Edwards, and one of the people is Max Jukes, okay? Um, I don't know if any of you, some of you may have heard of Jonathan Edwards. Um, he was, he, they both lived in the early 18th century, early 1700s. And I want to read to you um, just a list of their family tree highlights, okay? This is Jonathan Edwards. One U.S. vice president, one dean of, law, of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 60 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 uh, pastors, 285 college graduates. Okay? That's just the, kind of the highlights of his family tree. Now, Max Jukes, who lived in the same time period, same time, let me read his highlights. Seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers. Now, if you're like me and you're like, what is a pauper? Okay, a pauper is someone who uh, doesn't have a lot of money. Um, 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol, and of the 1,200 descendants that were studied over the centuries, 300 of them died prematurely. And, and why am I sharing this with you? Well, because parenting is important, okay? Jonathan Edwards had, had a lot of kids, and he was an intentional parent with his kids. And you see the fruit of that centuries later. Max Jukes, on the other hand, was not as intentional of a parent. And you see the effects of that centuries later. And so this is why we're talking about parenting, because it's important for all of us, whether you're a parent or whether you're not a parent. So this is where we're going to be. Last week, we looked at putting God first. This is really, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, if you don't put God first, um, nothing else is going to line up. So that's why it's important for us to uh, put as our first one, put God first, make sure he's first in everything in your life, especially in parenting. And then principle number two today is discipline with love. 
discipline with love. So if you're a kid in here, you might be getting a little nervous now, right? Um, We're going to talk about discipline. This isn't something that we talk about uh, very often, but it's important. And I, and I want you to pay attention to the way we name this. I, I wanted to name it, I wanted to name it uh, Don't Spare the Rod, but that was shot down, okay? Instead, it's, it's Discipline with Love. And, and these are really important. So if you're joining us today, join us next week too, because don't stop at number two, continue to number, number three, affirm your kids as well. But discipline, you know, we think of discipline as a negative a lot of us think of discipline as a negative thing, and we all have different backgrounds and houses we grew up in, and, and sadly, some of us uh, were disciplined in not the best ways, not in a loving way. Um, but we're going to look at what the Bible says about discipline, because the Bible paints discipline in the picture of three things, correction, training, and uh, one more that I just forgot. And uh, instruction, sorry. Instruction, training, and correction. And, and I want to say this before we continue. It's easy to miss the mark. Not only is it easy to miss the mark, you will miss the mark when it comes to disciplining your kids. So have grace for yourself because all of us are in the same boat. This is the first thing that we need to understand. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Again, society would look at this and they would say, well, that's not loving. Discipline is not loving. But again, remember what discipline is. Instruction, correction, training. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. You know, for me, um, I'm a young parent, so I'm kind of getting into that stage of disciplining my kids. Um, but I remember very vividly how I was disciplined. And my parents, uh, they did, I believe, the best job that they could have, um, being imperfect people, right? But I, I remember uh, a lot of times uh, hating being disciplined. Like, hopefully no one in here enjoyed being disciplined, right? Like, because as we're going to see later, discipline is not a fun thing. But, but... I also remember my friends who weren't disciplined. And I remember being so envious of their situation at the time. I was like, why, why, why can't my parents not care like those other parents over there, right? Like they got away with everything. They ne- there were never consequences for anything that they did. And as I grew up, I began to be, my, my perspective on this began to change. And I began to be thankful that my parents disciplined me. Because a lot of those kids who weren't disciplined uh, went and did pretty horrible things as adults. And so I'm thankful for the love that my parents showed me. And part of that love was uh, exercised through discipline. This is what Proverbs 3.12 says. It says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You see, again, this brings it into our relationship, God's relationship with us, and then our relationship with our kids. The Lord corrects those he loves. And in the same way, parents corrects their children in whom they delight, in whom they love, in whom they care about. We care enough about our kids to discipline them. You know, one of the things that we say at, at Alpine is, is uh, one of our values is that we, I love you enough to be honest with you. 
I love you enough to be honest with you because not everyone's going to be honest with you. And that's how you get these people on American Idol who go and embarrass themselves, right? Because no one was ever honest with them. No one ever told them, you're not a good singer. Don't go on national TV. You're not going to win. It's the same principle of something that a lot of people don't do because it's uncomfortable, because it's hard. But discipline done right is actually incredibly loving. It's an incredibly loving thing to do. And, and this verse teaches us that we will be disciplined by God because He loves us. And we should discipline our children if we love them. Discipline, we see also, is a reactive thing. Okay? You're not just flying off the handle and, and taking your frustration out on your kids. That's not loving discipline. And then discipline, again, is expected. We should expect God's discipline in our lives. But again, remember what discipline is, instruction, correction, training. But here's a bonus, because when we discipline our children, Proverbs 29, 17, it says, they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Again, this is Proverbs, if you didn't know, they're, they're wisdom literature, they're wise sayings of if you do this, this will happen, generally speaking. There's always outliers. But disciplining our children will not only help them, it'll help us, it'll make us glad, it'll, it'll give us a peace of mind. Because this is the truth. Contrary to popular opinion, there's such a thing as right and wrong. And it's the parent's job to teach that in the home. What are some of your, you know, as you think back, your, some of your weird rules that maybe you had or your parents had or that, you know, you know friends you have had? So here's here some of mine. Um, if you go into a room and you turn the light on and you leave the room, turn the light off. Don't waste my power. Like, don't, don't make me pay more for a light that's on in a room that no one's using. Another one, shut the door when the AC is on, okay? Don't, it, when the door's open and it's 100 degrees, it's just like fighting against each other and nothing's happening. All the cool air is going out, right? These are rules that we have. Take your shoes off. When you come into the house, a lot of us have these rules. Some more like weird rules that I remember that some people would have. It's like, hey, don't sit on that chair ever that's in the living room. What? Like, the, why? It's a chair. Just don't sit on it, okay? Oh, you know that silverware and that, like, those plates that are really nice? Don't use those, okay? Th those are just decorative. Well, why? It's a plate and a fork, right? Why can't I use it? These are weird rules. Like, keep your showers to 10 minutes. I grew up with kind of a big family. This is important because, you know, if one person showers for a half hour, all the hot water is going to be gone. No TV on weeknights, right? Parents, that's a big one. No TV on weeknights. Even though the kid just gets up when the parents are asleep and just goes and watches TV. That's what I did. This, this is one if you're OCD. You got to vacuum the room in certain lines, right? You got, you got to make sure that it's uniform. Some people do it in squares. Some people will do it in rows. Some people will do it diagonally. The lawn's kind of the same thing, right? These are weird rules that we have that are kind of silly. And, but, but see, this is the point. As humans, we need to know the difference between right 
and wrong. And God objectively told us what is right and wrong when he gave us the Ten Commandments, which we looked at last week. We won't look at them again, but the whole heart behind the Ten Commandments is to love God and to love others. And in the middle of that is to honor your parents. And that's the first commandment with a promise that things will go well for you. Because loving discipline points us toward God. This is what Proverbs 22, 6 says. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Now, this, th- I want to define what this path is. This path is toward a life that honors God. That's what this verse is referring to. This can be kind of a subjective thing, right? Because I might have my own idea of what my path is, but it might differ from God's. What this is saying is direct your children on the right path toward what matters most, which is God, and when they're older, they won't leave it. Now, I want to say this, because this is not a promise. This is general wisdom. Because we we all know that our kids grow up, and they have to make decisions for themselves. They have to choose to go in a certain way. They have to choose to listen to you or to not listen to you. So, so parents, maybe if, if you're older and your kids didn't end up where you wanted them to be, that ownership's on them too. Not, it's not just on you. So have grace for yourself. Have grace for yourself. Everyone needs to learn that there are positive and negative consequences for their actions. And everyone needs to experience those consequences for themselves. This is a chart um, that you probably can't read, so I'll read it for you. This is the fundamental law of parenting. So this is the parent in the yellow. This is the child in the white. And you see as as the, the ownership percentage falls for the parent as the child gets older and it rises for the child as, uh, as they get older. And the point of this is that when, you're, when your kid is young, when they're a baby, it's 100% on you, right? You, you bear 100% of the responsibility for your child's well-being. But as they get older, you have to let up on that ownership a little bit more. And then when it crosses, this isn't like scientific or anything, but generally when they're old enough to understand that there are consequences, they're going to be the ones to pay for it. You as the parent are not. It's so important that we as parents do this for our kids, that the older they get, the more that they're going to bear the responsibility of their actions and of their choices. So let's get practical. How do, we, how do we lovingly discipline our kids, okay? Here, here are three things that you can do, three C's. The first one is be clear. Establish rules and consequences. Be clear. Don't discipline and punish your kids for something that they didn't even know they were supposed to do, right? If, if it's because of your lack of clarity, that's on you. So take ownership for that, parents. And, and realize that We need to be clear about what is right and wrong, and then we need to be clear about what the consequence is if they don't do that thing. So be clear with your kids. This is something that I'm learning with my four-year-old who sometimes I treat like she's 16. My wife constantly has to lovingly remind me, "Uh, honey, our daughter's four, and you're talking to her like she knows everything that you know. It's like, oh, right, she doesn't. Right, So don't, don't punish your kids, don't discipline your kids for something that was your fault for a lack of clarity, okay? 
So establish the rules and give them the consequences and let them experience the consequences of their actions, whether those are natural or you have to enact them yourself. Don't rescue your kids, especially, especially as they get older. And I know, like, I know that I'm going to struggle. One of my, the hardest thing for me as a parent is going to be letting my kids get hurt and fail. That is going to be so hard for me because I already can't do it. I already can't do it. You know, I, I was thinking of this, like, when my daughter, uh, about a year or so ago, we have this fireplace and it has this glass uh, covering to it. And she kept walking over to it and, and kind of like, she knew that she shouldn't, but I kept, you know, being like, oh, Jane, don't do that. You know, I, and I would grab her and I would rescue her. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what happens. And guess what? She put her knuckles to the fireplace, the glass as it was on, and she hasn't touched it since. <laughs> right? She understood firsthand the consequences for her actions. Now, obviously, I'm not going to let my kids go play on the freeway. Like, there's certain things like that, parents, but use your discretion with your kids, okay? Let them experience consequences. Even as they're adults, don't rescue them from their bad choices. Don't rescue kids. It's never too soon to start teaching your kids that there is responsibility for their actions. It's never too late. Be clear. This is the second thing. Be consistent. Follow through every time. If you didn't know it, kids are smart and, and crafty, and they'll learn real quick whether you're for real or not, even young, young kids. So if you say, don't you dare do that or I'm going to do this, and then you don't do it, what are they going to do the next time? They're going to do the same exact thing because they know you are all talk and no, no game. So, so you have to follow through. If you say something, keep your word and follow through with your kids. Do it for your sake, but do it for theirs too. And, and, and uh, you know, one of, one of the things for me, again, as I was thinking of this, and my, as a child, I used to have to practice a certain amount of time a day on my violin before I could go do anything. That's what my parents, the rule they made. And if I didn't practice if anything came up, it didn't matter what it is, I could not go do that thing. And that was a bummer. <laughs> that was a bummer, but I was, I'm grateful that they followed through on that. Because again, the parents, parents never, I, I don't think, willingly uh, neglect discipline. You know, I, I think a lot of parents, they just don't follow through on what they're saying. So they, they have the heart to discipline, to correct, to train, their children, but they don't follow through on what they're saying, and they enable their kids. Follow through every time. With this, pay attention to your words. Don't say, if you do this, you're never going to watch TV again. Okay, are you actually going to follow through on that? Probably not. So make sure that you, that you count the cost of what you're saying for your kid's sake, but also for your sake, because sometimes the punishment you give out is more of a, an inconvenience on you than it is on them, right? Be consistent. And then the last one, be corrective. Make sure it lovingly hurts. Now, I want to say this. I know there's a lot of different backgrounds here. We grew up in a lot of different situations, and I'm sorry if you experienced unloving discipline as a child. 
because that happens, unfortunately. Abusive. But there's a difference between hurt and harm. Abuse is harmful. Um, Hurting is loving. You can give your child a time out in a loving way or an abusive way. You can spank your child in a loving way or in an abusive way. You can take away your child's privileges in a loving way or in an abusive way. How do we, how do, we do this, though? How do we make sure that it it's lovingly hurts and not harms? Well, the first thing is don't take your anger out on your kid. Don't take your anger and your frustration out on your kids. Don't, don't after a long day of work, I get how it is. You're, you're stressed, you're tired, you're frustrated. And you come home and your kid does one little thing and then you just snap. And you take out all of the frustration that day on what your kid did. That's abusive. That's not loving. The second thing is care more about their long-term development than in the moment. You know, one of the things that I appreciated so much about my parents was that they took the time to talk to me. If I would get spanked, it didn't just end there. They would talk to me afterward and they would say, here's why we did this. And here's what you need to do next time. They, they cared about my long-term development, not just correcting me in the moment. And then the third thing is you got to know your kids. If you've got multiple kids, those of you who do, you know every kid is different. Every kid is different. Every kid needs something different. So what works on one kid may not work on the other kid, okay? So while t- putting your kid in a timeout might work for one, it might not work for the other. So you have to discipline in a way that's, that's made for them, in a loving way. This is the last thing, is loving discipline turns your child's heart toward God. You know, I know, I know this for me. This may be how it is for you. It's so hard for me to discipline my kids, my kid, because my other one's under one, so I'm not going to really discipline him much. But my daughter, so to speak, has me wrapped around her finger. And it is so hard for me to hurt her in a loving, corrective, training way. But I know that that's good for her. It's good for me. It's good for society. Because I, I'm teaching her that there are consequences when you, when you don't listen Willingly, right? There are consequences. But ultimately, the ultimate thing that I hope that I do for my child and that I hope that when you have kids or even if you're older, that you do for your kids is to point them to the heart of God. Point them to the heart of God because I said this applies to us all, even if we're parents or not, because God does discipline us. Now, this isn't a super popular thing to talk about, in church, right? But God does discipline us because guess what? God's first priority for you is not your comfort and enjoyment and happiness. A lot of people think that. That's your, that's your self-made God, right? That is only does what you want him to do. God's number one priority for you is that you would be closer to him. And so listen, God is gonna do what he needs to do in your life to draw you closer to him. And that's scary. That's a scary thought. 
Because that means that we will go through tough times, trials, things, because God is shaping us into who he wants us to be. This is the verse that we uh, started off with, Hebrews 12, but I added verse 10. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. A few things with this verse. Number one, that first sentence. Parents, we discipline for a few years doing the best that we could. It doesn't say what it says for God that it's always good. We did the best that we could. Have grace for yourself. Have grace for yourself because Jesus does. You've made mistakes. You probably have regrets. Have grace for yourself because you did the best that you knew how. The second thing, God's discipline is always good. You know what that word always means? It means always. I love that when you think I'm going to say something super insightful and then I say the exact same word. Because we all know what that means. It means every time God does something to you in discipline, it's good. And that's hard for us to understand. That's tough for us to understand. But it is always good for us. Why? Because we're going to share in His holiness. Not our holiness, but in His holiness through Jesus that we might share in it. The purpose of discipline is that we would look different from the world. That we wouldn't just justify, let our kids raise themselves. That we would love them enough to discipline them for the purpose of holiness. Holiness means to be set apart from other things. This is the purpose at which God disciplines us and why it's always good. And then number four is probably my favorite. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. You know what that word no means? It means no. (laughs) No discipline is enjoyable. I'm glad that they say that because so many of us put on this facade that everything's okay all the time and that we're good and that everything is, you know, rainbows and butterflies. It's okay to say this situation in my life is hard and this is difficult and this is painful. It's okay to say that. You know, be, be, uh, be an authentic person. Don't don't say that, oh, no, you know, God's doing something in my life and, you know, I'm good. And I, No, it's okay to struggle. Like, I'm not saying that's where you stay, but it's okay to recognize what it is at the time. It's hard, it's difficult, it's painful. We're going to experience discipline. We're going to experience a discipline that, that is tailor-made just for us. Just as we discipline our kids in a different way, God disciplines us in a different way. Right? Like this isn't the message you often hear when you come to church, right? <laughs> God does love you, but he loves you enough to discipline you in a way that is going to draw you closer to him. But I love the way that this ends because it doesn't just end with that. It ends 
with the last thing that we see is God's redemption. Which, if you read the Bible, if you were to ask me, you know, this is a, our free Bibles here are 800 pages. What is in about one sentence or a few words this about? It's about God's redemption. It's about God's redemption to his people, to you and I. God is continually redeeming our brokenness over and over again, up to the point of Jesus on the cross. Because when you talk about discipline, when you think about discipline, you know, we, what we go through is difficult, but nothing compares to the sacrifice that Jesus went through. Jesus was unjustly tortured, nailed to a cross, and killed. Not for what he did wrong, but for what we did wrong. Like, do you let that sit with you during the week? I hope you do. I hope, you, I hope the gospel is not just something that like is in one ear and out the other. I hope you wrestle with that, the, the unjust nature of God's love for us. Because we deserve to be on that cross, not him. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, short-term pain and discomfort creates long-term health and glory. That's the story of this life. We, we go through these difficult situations because we're being prepared for eternity. That's what we're being prepared for. If you're a believer in Jesus, God is preparing you for eternity. And whatever happens, God said in his word, like, while things may be hard now, it doesn't even compare to the glory that's yet to come. And sadly, so many of us are so much about our convenience and our comfort. But thank God that he's not about that. <laughs> thank God that he is about our holiness, that he's drawing us to himself, that he's doing what he needs to do in our lives for us to love him more fully. You see, because Jesus endured that cross, he died. But all this would be meaningless. All these words on this, uh, in here would be meaningless if Christ hadn't raised from the grave and defeated death, and defeated our sin. And this is, this is really, again, what we talked about last week. This is seeking God first above everything. Because when we understand what God has done for us, we can't help but put Him first in our lives. And that doesn't mean that you sit there all day and you just read your Bible, right? Like we have to go and do things, but, but it says in Colossians to do everything for the glory of God. Everything that we do, going to the gym, going to the store, going to work, parenting is for the glory of God. And the beauty of that, it's for our good as well. Even if we may not see it this side of heaven, and you know, like, you may be sitting here and you may say, I'm just, God is punishing me right now. I'm going through this difficult time. I'm dealing with these circumstances. I just want to encourage you with what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, afterward. You see, so afterward, there, there's going to be a time, yes, of, of pain, but there's an afterward. And afterward will be a, peace, a peaceful harvest. That's God's redemption. That's God working everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And this, this relationship that we've been talking about, this gospel is available to anyone who would put their trust and their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. So I want to end by just saying this. You know, maybe you, you live in regret 
over what you did or didn't do as a parent. God's grace is so much deeper than your mistakes. Young parents, God's grace is so much deeper than your mistakes, than what you're going to do. Yeah, you messed up. We all do. But thank, thank God that he sent Jesus to pay for those mistakes and our shortcomings. Let's pray together. God, we just, uh, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you for, God, really just the way that you love us. Even when we struggle to see it, God, I pray that we would have the faith to believe that you're working out our lives for, for our good and for your glory, Lord. And, and uh, in the midst of trials, that we would see <clears throat> your hand all through it. God, I, I pray for any person in here, Lord, who, who maybe this is kind of a difficult message to hear because of their experience, because of their upbringing, whatever, God. I pray that they would see the redemptive blood of Jesus, the grace, Lord, that, that God, it really doesn't matter what's been done to us. It doesn't matter what we've done to others. God, if we put our trust and our faith in you, God, you, you've wiped it clean. And we have a hope and we have a future to look forward to, God. So give us the perseverance, give us the faith in the midst of those difficult seasons and, and those difficult, painful memories maybe that some of us have. God, and for all of us, Lord, as, as we live in this world that just tries to tear people away from you, God, that we would stand strong in your word, God, and what you've called us to, God, that you would help us to have the wisdom and discernment with our young people, to raise them in the way that, that would honor you, God, in a loving way, and God, that, again, you would just remind us, Lord, you're with us, you're guiding us, you're strengthening us each and every step of the way. Lord, and lastly, just if there's anyone in here, God, who maybe doesn't know you, maybe hasn't experienced the grace and the truth of who you are, Jesus, I pray that you would just speak to that person right now. God, let them know, God, it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they're going to do. God, you've taken our sin and you've moved it, and separated it as far as the east is from the west. God, thank you for what you did on the cross through your son. Thank you for what it means for, for not only here and now, but God, for, for the life to come. God, help us to hold steadfast into you. Guide us every day as we live. Pray these things in Jesus' name.